it's a negative mindset and, and programming for young women where we, we lose the ability to accept our curves and to love who we are as women. Women feel like garbage. We are, are meant to have a specific amount of healthy body fat. We're not supposed to go under 12%, but even then a healthier range is 18 to 25%, depending on your own body's natural way of carrying weight. And we need that. We need that for becoming mothers in the future. And also the ability to have a healthy hormone cycle, which as we've talked about throughout this podcast, is optimal times to actually be able to use the hormones for performance and to even feel good day to day, to think clearly, to thrive in areas that we feel passionate about as well, as opposed to feeling prisoners to our body and feeling stuck. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company, helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my work in the fields of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Hello, everyone. We're so excited to share today's episode with you featuring Quinn Tu. Quinn is a fitness and nutrition coach as well as a licensed massage therapist. She specializes in women's health and is devoted to helping women harness their overall strength and resilience by embracing the physiological power of the female body. We discussed Quinn's experience with her first ever pregnancy this past year and how it helped improve her relationship with her body the unique power of the female menstrual cycle and the many benefits of synchronizing our practices with it. And finally, how our desired results and optimal health are dependent on our recovery. Quinn shared so many beautiful insights and useful considerations with us. So without further ado, let's tune in. Welcome, Quinn. I'm so excited to have you on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so I'm really excited to begin our conversation because you've been in a very unique position where not only did you go through a pandemic this last year, but you're also going through your very first pregnancy. I, I know I haven't experienced this personally, but having worked with many clients going through their first pregnancy and hearing about it through all sorts of channels, I know that there's a significant series of changes that happens, not just physically, but I've also noticed mentally and emotionally as well, especially in relationship with our bodies. 
So what have you noticed has changed in your relationship to your body as a result of this pregnancy? Oh, wow. So many things. It certainly tees up perfectly with the growth that I've experienced this year. So I had a very short stint in the aesthetics realm of the fitness industry, where I did a couple of shows of which they were very fun. And I worked my tail off to achieve, but it left me a little broken and having a disconnected relationship with my body where it was all about the aesthetics, it was all about the judgment of how symmetrical you are, how lean you are. And it took away a lot of the pleasures that I experienced being a mover, being an athlete. How much weight can you lift? What's your performance like? And it sucked me into this wormhole, if you will, of judgment and self-criticism. It's taken me years to come out of that. And I will say the thought down the road of becoming a mother intimidated me because you know we we all have our own relationships with our bodies some positive some negative and and the people that we also learn it from too our influences be it our family our friends can can also take us down a path of positivity or negativity um but when i when we became at the beginning of this pandemic I still tried to find ways of being active. Um, and a lot of it was outdoor activity or using my living room as my gym space, getting creative. And then, and I actually got into running like most of us probably did, you know, uh, and it became really fun because I would take my dogs and my husband, we run with us and we got to the point where we we're running four or five miles and I was feeling really strong, really great. Those endorphins were pumping, but I'll never forget it was all of a sudden this tank uh, one week later where I was home. I went to Indianapolis to visit my family because I just needed to spend a little bit more time with them and have a different change of scenery. And I went from running five miles powerfully one weekend to only being able to run two. And my heart rate was skyrocketing. I felt like absolute garbage. And I was like, huh, something is different. And I happened to figure out a couple of days later that I was pregnant, which was a totally topsy-turvy experience. One, it re replicated from my mother's story to mine where I was doing something physically active, something I was comfortable with. And then all of a sudden being like, why is my body not working? Um, and it's that was the same. <laughs> no, no. And, and that was the start of being very softer is the right word for my body, being more understanding, being more intu intuitive in the sense of like, okay, I really got to listen to what it's telling me. And it changed week to week. It changed trimester to trimester. And as an example too, because every, every woman that I've spoken with on this journey has a birth story, has a pregnancy story. And although there are signs and symptoms that are typical within a trimester, be it the first, which is sometimes the hardest, to the very end, right? You know, women have extreme pleasures being pregnant. Some have very complicated pregnancies. Their bodies become completely separate from how they, how they want to experience pregnancy. And for me, I would say, I, I definitely toned a lot of stuff down. And my relationship with my body, however, did get better because I wanted to experience these nine months as a beautiful experience. And not something that I felt like I had to resist. 
because mm-hmm. I knew my body was going to change. I know the science of how relastin works and your ligaments get more lax and, and you can't do things. Your balance gets off. You can't lift as much at certain times. So I told myself that I wanted to have a positive experience when I had the first bouts of extreme morning sickness, I w- I told myself, okay, you need to take a step back. And, you know, everyone says that when you enter the second trimester, things get way better. And I was just hoping for that deadline, whatever, whenever that would have showed up. And it ended up showing up around week 13. And I got my energy back. I had a lot of it. I felt more normal than I had in six weeks. And, um, was able to take that opportunity as this is the phase where I want to get back to feeling more like myself. What that looks like, we will find out. And and so that kind of became a much more awakened, healthier relationship with myself and my body. Something I was thinking about, you know, like putting myself in your shoes is how when we are only responsible for ourselves in this relationship with our body, we can be pretty nasty. (laughs) We'll be so much more judgmental, so much more harsh, so much less forgiving. And, you know, I was curious if like, if there's an element when there's, when you have another life within you, where in some ways you, you know, you can't behave that way to yourself because now it's not just you, it's someone else. And I find that really fascinating that it almost takes another human being or not almost it, it can to get us to be gentler with the body that we have and, and to want to be in a healthier communion with it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's where true self-compassion lies, at least I would hope. Uh, because everything you feel, they feel. And, and at, at certain points, when the senses start developing within your growing baby, they're really going to experience what you experience, be it hearing what your voice, um, tasting what you taste, um, you know, all, all of the things like you're, you're exchanging uh, nutrients and hormones and So even in times when I found like I was getting frustrated uh, because the hormones are all over the place at certain points and you're like, wow, who is this person, you know, in in a positive or a negative light, you know, and I would try to really take a step back and say, okay, I want this space to be as calm and as as safe for her as possible. So there would be times where I'd get flustered or frustrated and I would think of her and, you know, and, and it would help me check in a little bit more uh, just to try to make this experience more personal and pleasurable for, for her to experience a safe space. So that, that having her in like the back of my mind all the time definitely helps. And it, it really, the way you feel there, you know, I hope that they would feel. And especially when it comes to movement and nourishment, I found that there were different points within my pregnancy where I was craving different things, not like the typical, like a what pregnancy cravings, but it would be, what does my body need right now? And in some ways, how does that coincide with even the things that are happening within her own physiological development? The beginning of the first trimester, you know, all of the organs are starting to grow and uh, the placenta is growing. And so all the, if I could try, for instance, I read the, this one book that was excellent. It was called 
nutrition for pregnancy and really eye-opening to all of the things that have actually been recommended for pregnant women for a long time. And it's actually taking a look at the new sciences and what's important for them to actually eat so they can have the best pregnancy possible, healthiest babies possible, and eliminate preeclampsia or gestational diabetes down the line. And, t- and learning some of those tips from, from the author w- were very helpful. And it also helped decrease morning sickness helped me feel strong and capable and knowing how much or what of specific things are appropriate at specific times. And, and that was really, really eye-opening too, because I've always considered myself to be a healthy eater, but there were times where even the healthy foods that we like fruits, things that are a little bit higher in sugar, they would actually kickstart my morning sickness in first trimester, which I thought was so interesting. So I had to focus more on high high fiber, you know, good quality vegetables, fats and proteins. I was able to reintroduce some of those things into the second trimester at, of which too I wasn't craving anything sweet until the third trimester. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it's examples like that where, you know, you, our bodies are very intelligent and if you listen to it closely enough, it'll tell you what it needs and how you can best support it. And if you're if you have a positive connection with it, then it's a very symbiotic relationship. Yeah, this has been something I've been obsessed with, uh, as you know. <laughs> you know, how how our life changes when we're willing to really listen to those signals our body is giving us. And that's a full array of signals, whether it's, you know, like stand up, you've been sitting too long, or like get outside, you need fresh air, or like just move your body, like I need, I need stimulus, or, you know, even cravings and, and and like getting down to the root of of a craving like is this coming from the emotional place or or like where where is the thing that like my body is asking for this specific nutrient or this specific type of nourishment you know we're in a society where we've been largely conditioned out of listening to those signals we've been taught to repress and suppress them and as a result so many people have lost their fluency with their body's messaging system and and to the point that they don't even really know how to understand it and actually in a recent interview i did on the podcast with charlotte Bia rose she brought to my attention this branch of science called interoception which is basically how you're able to interpret the internal sensations and signals of your body and how these correlate with not just your physical well-being like knowing when to pee knowing when you need water etc but also like emotional states of being and i i'm really like so fascinated by this because for me personally this has been the game changer in my relationship with my body as a dancer who dealt with bulimia and body dysmorphia and like similarly to you was so focused on perfection to feel good and then always felt worthless and how that was manipulating my relationship with my body uh, both in terms of physical activity nutrition sleep even like relationships with other people you know and and how mm-hmm. important it is to really give yourself the space to listen to those signals to start to take steps in learning to understand them interpret them and then trust the process of actually listening to and responding to them 
Yeah, it's such a valuable skill set that sometimes we lose sight of. But if it's something that you're wanting to improve upon and cultivate, it's a, it's the most powerful and rewarding relationship, I think, that you could ever have because you only get one body. And that's a really, what was the name of the concept again? I'm, I'm so Interception. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, that's cool. It's actually, apparently it started more as an attempt to understand autism. But now they're expanding the studies beyond the realm of autism, and they're recognizing that many people actually suffer from an in like a diminished skill set of interoception. It's sort of like the hidden sense of our body beyond taste, touch and smell. It's the ability to internally sense and interpret what's happening from your body outward. That's such a cool thing. I have to say being pregnant, it definitely helps tap into some of those things because you're, you are a heightened sensed being, being pregnant. It's like the closest thing I would say to becoming super mom, which hopefully I get those skills at the end of the pregnancy because you just become more, more aware, you know, and in, in, in such a, in a unique way, I would say probably from person to person. And for me too, it was being okay with, like I said, becoming softer, um, allowing my body the space and time for more recovery. I was, I'm always an on-the-go person. I have mm. a to-do list, and and or I have a very hard time being sitting still. But this was a very unique experience of being learning to be okay with sitting still or taking that extra hour of sleep or maybe not going to the gym and being able to lift a certain amount of weight because something within my body was saying, this is not appropriate right now. Maybe do something else. And having that intrinsic voice was a very important message for me to learn. And I love how what you said earlier also applies, right? Like thinking about the emotional state of being you're in and how that affects, you know, your, your daughter and, and wanting to be very discerning about, about really trying to stay in, you know, in the states that you believe she would find the most soothing, the most nourishing, the most pleasurable, and how you were able in many ways to then change your experience, you know, through the pivoting for her and how it was able to positively affect you. Yeah, exactly. So beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) This actually leads me into a topic that I'm really interested in. And it's, you know, taking a look at wellness and fitness. And, you know, when we're looking at the recommendations for how to move our bodies or what movement patterns and systems are best, or even nutrition, you know, so much of that science has all been developed by testing men, because unfortunately, women have this menstrual cycle. This that thing called a period. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's unpredictable. And, right. you know, there's, there's so much that's finally starting to shift in the science field, but we're starting to actively take a look at, you know, the women's biology and physiology through that lens. And we're seeing so much being uncovered here that was not and how 
perhaps we've actually really been undermining female health all this time. I mean, not perhaps, it's pro- it's a given. When we've been feeding women statistics and science and information that was actually not for their bodies, but for the male body. And I'm really curious um, through your experience, both as, you know, an expected mother and also, you know, having taken a deeper dive into the menstrual cycle and how to best sync up with it. What are what are some of the major gaps that are not being addressed in fitness that we need more light in for the sake of women's health? Oh, this makes me so excited to start talking about. So, you know, within my own research, as well as within my opportunities to, uh, to listen and learn from Dr. Stacey Sims, who specializes in sex differences with between male and female athletes, you know, she speaks a lot about this and in such a profound way that once again, if women actually take a step back and accept that we are athletes, however, we also have this really cool menstrual cycle that actually can help us become more competitive, but also knowing when and how to harness it, it. It's such a revelation of of information but it also comes with i would say a cautious cost because we do have fluctuation levels of our estrogen and progesterone and the specific cycles of within the our 28 day cycle you know having follicular versus ovulation luteal and based on where we are at within our cycle and the hormone levels are actually will tell you whether or not this is an opportunity where you can push, where you can go anaerobic, you can be extreme. And then at specific points where it's actually, you know, you need a little bit more rest, you need a little bit more recovery or more nourishment for your foods because your body's trying to do something else, which is whether it's appropriate or not timing wise to procreate. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's a natural so far a NCAA accepted ergogenic aid for us. Mm. Um, and it changes to whether we are in our twenties and our thirties and our forties and being able to teach women how to listen to their menstrual cycles, how to not reject them, but track them and be able to interpret once again, what your body is saying to you will help you within your athletic performance, but also within your, your own health as you get older. A lot of times, young girls, we don't accept our periods, we we hide them, you know, maybe it's not readily talked about within a specific household too. And so it can be another area of discomfort. But I'm hoping with this new research too, that's been coming out, that it becomes way more prevalent, especially within people who coach girls teams, or are collegiate athlete teams, just so that we can continue to make our women healthier, as opposed to driving them into the ground, becoming overly stressing the system, especially at inappropriate times of really trying to push and peak, but being able to work with the body and the physiology, so that things continue to progress in a positive way, and that women aren't getting hurt, we're not losing our cycles, and so that as you get older, metabolic processes, fertility, being able to decrease the likelihood of osteopenia or osteoporosis, all those things are super important. 
And I do agree with you in the sense that, unfortunately, a lot of these past and, and current nutrition and training recommendations are because men were the main sample size. And women who might have participated in some of these studies, they were literally, their information was tossed out or considered anomalies because of the menstrual cycle. People didn't want to interpret it. And we need positive role models like Dr. Stacey Sims and other uh, physiologists and even athletes who are continuing to talk about this information to support women who might not be in the professional training space, but you know, it's still just as important. Yeah. I think like from a professional side, as well as just, you know, like a, a normal person side, for me, the revelation that the week you're menstruating is the week to dial it way down you know, like that's your rest week. And, and that if you're doing movement, it should be softer, it should be subtler, it should be gentler. And like to even think about like the context of how all physical programming is, is, you know, designed, unless you're just taking classes, right? Or even then there's this pressure of you show up every week, right? If you miss a week, you lose out. If you miss, if you miss a week, you're diminishing yourself somehow, right? And like, this links back to your fear about like getting soft. Like I certainly had that fear as well that I had to keep pushing no matter what, no matter how I felt, because that was going to be how I stayed in connection with my body. And that was going to be how I stayed healthy. And granted, it was also misguided by like this obsessive need to be thin and to be svelte and toned. But, you know, for me, this realization that like that week, like I really should be doing almost nothing at all. And and sort of watching around me how almost every movement based program is done within like a four or six week structure. And it's designed that you always go in that week, no matter what. And, and it's so hard when the entire world around you and all those environments and systems keep perpetuating that it takes an enormous amount of sort of self commitment and dedication to be able to say no and take a step back instead. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And especially for women, you should be having at within a weekly basis, at least two days of recovery off anyway. And then depending on where you're at with your menstrual cycle, you might need longer. And that is absolutely okay. And I can totally relate when you say, you know, you show up to classes every day, you're doing maybe what the, the fitness, fitness instructor is telling you to do. And especially for those of us who are very performance driven, it can be very challenging to take a step back and say, hey, you know what, I need to regulate what it, what my body is telling me and what I'm able to give versus to drive yourself nose to the grindstone week to week. And, and for what? You could actually be diminishing your returns as opposed to, you know, in, in increasing them. And it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, I would say when it, when it comes to the different phases of the menstrual cycle, I would have at a young age would have always thought in, you know, even young girls would say, Oh, I'm on my period. Like I, I can't work out today, you know, or I'm getting cramps. I can't work out today. Well, there's different variabilities within the 28 day cycle that a person can do, which actually makes a program, I would say way more well-rounded because you have, you have times to push, you have times where you can do more of a strength and conditioning, maybe more of a Metcon, and then also allow the times to be softer and do yoga maybe do some dance or some mobility. 
because those are times to fit it in. Yeah. I mean, it, I had a really f interesting, like, look into the power of the menstrual cycle a couple months back. So I'd just been starting to learn a little bit more about it. I was in this workshop to like learn breakdancing and it was four weeks long. And this was the last week. And I was like, I have to go to the last week, but my period had started the day before. And I woke up that morning and I knew, I knew I like needed to stay in bed. I could tell I was like low energy, like low cognitive, you know, coordination even. I was like this, I mean, but then I pushed myself. I went back into sort of the analytical mind of like, I signed up for this. This is my last week. I don't want to miss the last one. And of course, I sprained my ankle and I've been rehabbing it for like two months since, you know, it's it's pretty much back, but there's like still a little bit of a wobble here and there in certain positions. But it was such a powerful sort of reminder of of just how important it is to listen to our body and what the possible consequences are when we don't. It's one thing to miss a day. It's another thing to miss out on two months worth of having freedom of activity because you you undermined your body's optimal capacity that one moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that speaks volumes as an example, right? And and stuff like that does happen. It's not just physical change, but it's also cognitive change. And when you have this relationship between the physical and the cognitive and things aren't computing, you, you can have mess ups that, that can result in minor or major injuries that can take you further away from being consistent within your practice. And and you're and of course we always think, oh, if I sh I should have just listened. There was a voice in the back of my head saying I shouldn't probably do this activity, or I probably shouldn't have increased that weight, but ego gets in the way. <laughs> um, you know, that, that internal drive of, of just, you know, still sticking to your guns. I've certainly done that before too. I know the whole push through no matter what thing was definitely fostered in dance. I was actually, I think transitioning to personal training was the first time I like was getting feedback that it was okay to rest, you know, that when you injured yourself, take time off. And that was like mind blowing for me at the time. Yeah. Um, but I know seeds of that still exist, you know, uh, from my history as a dancer, and I think also get reinforced in certain dialogues and fitness as well. And not even in fitness, in our world, you know, when, when you're trying to start a business, whether you're trying to get a promotion at work, it, we really do focus things through this currency of productivity and proving yourself comparatively to other people. And I think, for me, at least, that's been where this big pitfall comes in of, disregarding the signal when I hear it, when I know it, when I know what I'm supposed to do with it and choosing to cast it aside in service of some of these other, I guess, conditioning and belief structures. Yeah, and I, I agree there 100%. I, you know, even within my sports background too, of having coaches that, you know, they have an agenda, we have a, a schedule to abide by in terms of what league I, I was in, you know, it was always, we, we never had time really to, to rest. And it, yeah, it wasn't until my education within the practical curriculum that my mentors at Equinox taught me where it's like, you need 24, sometimes upwards of 48 hours or longer to actually have your, your body relaxed, to have your nervous system regroup. Uh, and so that you can be able to allow those times where 
your your body will make those changes, right? If you're trying to lose weight, you're not going to be successful at losing weight if you're hitting the gym seven days a week and never have a break and you're going 10 out of 10. The real results come from when you actually recover. And we've seen this too with within sleep studies, hormonal profiles change and and the body becomes more resilient and you know and and changes in a more rapid way long term when we actually allow for those intermittent breaks to happen or actually or within a macro cycle of a program that you've got your off seasons you know or specific intermittent breaks within within the peaking process so that athletes continue to stay healthy and not get injured and we're even seeing this now with with how I mean, granted, it's been different with the pandemic, but certain seasons have been extended, especially within the CrossFit community, and certain uh, lack of availability for proper training protocols have gotten professional athletes significantly injured this year within within major sports leagues because they haven't been able to do a lot of keep up or or they're really trying to push for a, a season start, right? and you're seeing you're seeing all of this decline if you don't get your sleep your body starts the day below the baseline yes. <laughs> so you know sleep and rest is so essential to being able to allow your body to be optimal in all the things you do every day you know whether that is your work, whether that is your relationships. And it's, you know, crucial to creating positive changes within the body, right? Already getting the sleep you need and getting deep sleep shifts everything so quickly. I mean, that's that was a game changer for me in quarantine. I finally got my sleep back. <laughs> Yay. I think we all did. <laughs> I need coffee in the morning and like I can choose if I want it. And the... I can feel the difference. Like I'm not as active as I was before, but now when I am, I can tell there's there's so many more resources I can pull up within myself. The the purity of my focus, the endurance of my stamina, right? Like all these things are so much sharper than they were now that I'm getting that baseline of of rest and recovery through sleep. I've never been so well rested in my life this past year. Um, and, and, you know, especially being within the fitness space and having gyms being closed to certain, well, for me, major schedule changes shifted where my early 6am'ers, you know, maybe shifted back to because they didn't have to do the commute to the city and get to the gym. And we could just essentially like, throw on some gym clothes and get in front of a computer. And, and that saved us 45 minutes, maybe even longer, depending on the individual. And, you know, being, being a, a yes person, I would say, because I care a lot about my clients. I, it was be very, it, it was very hard for me, especially as a younger trainer to say, to, to say, no, I can't do that. I need to sleep. Or, you know what, I am not a 6am trainer, I will operate way better at as a 730 or an eight o'clock, allowing myself to get a little bit extra sleep. Because I think that's also the beauty of where science is headed with our wearables, our sleep trackers. And even, you know, if you decide to do 23andMe or some sort of genetic testing, where you learn 
Where, how, what do your genes tell you? Are you a night owl or are you a morning lark? And if you are one or the other, don't try to be the other. And I'm one of those people where I learned a lot about myself where 23andMe has done a lot of updates recently, but it said your optimal time to wake up is actually 8, 8.30. And, I, and it's true. Like if I actually, once again, take time, think about how I like to go to sleep naturally and naturally wake up, it is I get tired at 10 o'clock. And then I will sleep till 7.30, maybe eight o'clock. And I don't, but I don't hit my deepest REM cycles until the early hours of the morning. And if I was not in this new schedule with the pandemic, I would still be waking up at 5 a.m. or, you know, or maybe even like maybe six, but I would miss those optimal deep REM sleep hours. And it's no wonder I needed coffee all the time. It's no wonder I felt achy and sore and maybe not as optimally recovered it's because genetically, physiologically, I was missing those prime opportunities to feel good. I remember looking at, you know, the metabolic system and for our listeners out there, what the metabolic system is, is it's not really how quickly you burn calories. It is how well your cells function. So how well they do everything they need to do to keep you breathing, to keep your heart beating, to allow you to move your body, to digest food, to like experience connection with the world and other people. And the metabolic function relies on sleep. If you don't sleep, your cells don't get to clean house and refurbish themselves in preparation for the next day. And so when you're talking about, you know, hitting the REM cycle, the REM cycle is one of the most important facets of that. So it's not just about being in bed for X amount of hours. It's being able to hit that sweet spot of deep sleep when your cells can refurbish and refresh themselves and optimize their function in preparation for the next day. Yeah, so you definitely hit it on the head there. And then to add just another level of that within our own circadian rhythm and having these, these REM cycles, being a female, you add the infradian rhythm to, mm-hmm. to your, your day in life too. So that is a, a thing that can either coincide or it, you know if, if one is suffering, the other is probably going to suffer. And it- I would actually love to hear more about the infradian rhythm. So if you could define it for us, for those of us who don't know what it means, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So the infradian rhythm is the menstrual cycle, right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is the cycle that turns on once a, a, a developing young girl becomes a woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from the, from the very beginning stages of, of life, even in the womb, um, you know, there's a certain point where babies start to dream. So we automatically get the circadian rhythm and it develops over time. But then for, for, for girls, you get this introduction to the infradian rhythm and how those things correlate with each other. Um, because until a, a woman goes through menopause and becomes no longer fertile, you are on a roughly 28 day cycle for the next 40 years Mm -hmm. of this concept of you have your hormones start at the follicular phase at a very low, low range, which is the closest that a female gets to actually becoming a male Mm -hmm. um, because our estrogen and progesterone luteinizing hormone are all very low. And actually that is the time for women to actually take advantage of those higher testosterone levels and to be able to push to become a little bit more end of menstrual cycle into follicular. 
and to be able to push themselves. That's your prime opportunity to peak. But then as the, um, the hormones increase throughout um, the follicular and then going into ovulation, that's the times where things can, can start to change. Um, and depending on the person too, is whether or not they should just focus more on strength and conditioning, progressive overload, but not actually hitting those top end metabolic peaks. Um, and then, and then as we peak and hit that menstrual cycle and then things go back down, it's this constant flex and flow of ranges of hormones and how our body's able to tap into these metabolic processes for, for performance, you know, or, or needing to actually take a, a step back. Your body's going through a replenishing, very similar to like you talked about, uh, deep run cycles in sleep where our cells get to clean house, your, your body's cleaning house because it's renewing. And if, if you do not become pregnant, then everything starts over and it's a replication for years and years and years. You know, if you want to, apart from taking advantage of listening to even some podcasts too with Dr. Stacey Sims, the other woman that first, I was first turned on to this whole concept of, oh, I'm a, I'm a woman. I should actually pay attention to my period more is Dr. Alyssa Vitti as well. She wrote Woman Code, and that was a fantastic book. I had talked to my clients about that book as well as the Period Repair Manual by Dr. Laura Brighton. And mm -hmm. they one goes a little bit more in depth than the other about how to take the symptoms that you might be experiencing and usually the negative ones when it comes to being on your period um, or within that 28-day cycle, but actually how to, through exercise, through rest or nutrition or supplementation, be able to take some of these, these signs or symptoms that are actually another ways of your body to communicate with you to say, Hey, actually you should be resting more. Hey, you should be, mm -hmm. as opposed to eating high, high inflammatory processed foods, focus on having fiber or have a more, more magnesium to, to be able to heal some of these symptoms that you're going through versus what unfortunately a lot of women are on is hormonal birth control as the band-aid that's not actually fixing the problem of what they could be experiencing. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, like we mentioned where, you know, I think historically women were always frustrated by the period. Like it is this innate part of our health and well-being, but it inconvenienced us. Right. And also like being the gender who was property for how many centuries, right? Like this was like a piece of the puzzle that locked us into that place. And as we've tried to, you know, secure our freedoms and our like ability to to be career oriented and to like also contribute to the world the same way as men, uh, a lot of that has been done by trying to excise or like um, remove the period. And, and and there's been a little bit of vilifying of it. I know, I know, I was so depressed when I started mine at fourteen, <laughs> um, and. And I remember, like, unfortunately, feeling a sense of pride when I dropped my body fat percentage so low that I lost it. And like, you know, like, oh, yeah, now I'm the real athlete. Now I don't have this thing in the way. And, you know, a few years later, learning that actually, like, I was really unhealthy in that place and not the athlete I thought and subjugating myself to all sorts of physiological issues that I certainly did not want, including things like hypothyroidism and eventual infertility. Yeah, 
I, I, I understand. I can totally relate, you know, being within the, um, the aesthetic competitor realm for a short period of time. I experienced some of those things too, dropping my body fat so low. And although aesthetically it was very cool to study your own anatomy chart, right? You know, you, the body can only be in that specific state as a female for so long before repercussions start to happen. Whether it is, like you said, infertility, you use your period, um, long-term, you know, with the athlete's triad, for, for those of you do, who don't know, it's, it's the negative space that a woman goes into when she becomes one low body fat Two, she loses her period. And three, she can eventually lose lean tissue and even bone density at a very young age, which can lead to definitely having osteoporosis in the future. And a lot of young athletes, especially not having proper like training protocols, nutrition protocols from their coaches, uh, depending on what sport you play as well. If it's a body aesthetic or even a weight class sport, it can be very problematic because then emotional and, uh, and and psychological body dysmorphia can start to happen too. And it's a negative mindset and, and programming for young women where we, we lose the ability to accept our curves and, and to, you know, and to love who we are as women. But, you know, long, long-term is, is not fun. People feel, women feel like garbage. We are, are meant to have a specific amount of healthy body fat we're not supposed to go under 12%, but even then a healthier range is 18 to 25%, depending you know, on, on your own body's natural way of carrying weight. And we need that. We need that for our healthy hormones. We need that for becoming mothers in the future. And also the ability to have a healthy hormone cycle, which as we've talked about throughout this podcast, is optimal times to actually be able to use the hormones for performance and to even feel good day to day, to think clearly, to thrive in areas that we feel passionate about as well, as opposed to feeling prisoners to our body and feeling stuck. 100%, you know, like every piece of our health connects to every piece of our health. And, and the more we can learn to embrace our cycle as women and the unique physiology of that and what that presents us in terms of other opportunities. When we sync up with that, we actually find that we can sync up not just, you know, our physiology, but also our mental and emotional health as well. Yes, exactly. And with each other and with other women. That's so cool. Yeah, too. <laughs> with, with communities, with the world, it, it just, it all trickles out there. <laughs> Well, Quinn, this was so lovely having you on here today. Uh, such a scintillating conversation. And before we start to wrap things up, I always like to offer this opportunity to the guests. Um, if you have any sort of final thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience as we part ways. I would say, at least with now what I, going through this process of, of preparing for motherhood, it just makes it so much more uh, important to have a positive relationship with your body and to be accepting of it, you know, from your little toe to a hair on your head and to not focus on what we're seeing a lot more of these days, which is how people should look, uh, on social media, for instance, is just taking the time to appreciate you and the gift that your body gives you on a daily basis. Mm, beautiful. I love that. I'm going to let that marinate for a few moments. 
Oh, well, again, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure. It's such an honor. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me too. And on such a, a short deadline, because she's due any day now. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> yes. I will, Trust me, you'll be getting a birth announcement. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.